This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. I have a special guest, Dr. Shafali, on the show today. She is a clinical psychologist specializing in the integration of Western psychology and Eastern philosophy. She brings together the best of both worlds for her clients. She's an expert in family dynamics and personal development teaching courses all around the globe. Um, The book that I read to prepare for this interview is called The Parenting Map. She also has the book, The Conscious Parent and the Awakened Family. Her work is all about conscious parenting, which is a hot topic right now. It's a hot thing to be talking about. And she explains exactly what it means to be a conscious parent in this episode. I got to tell you, when I listened to her book on Audible, I felt frustrated at times, many times, because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to do this right. I'm never going to do this right. Which is why I personally kind of like want to close my eyes to the positive parenting movement, conscious parenting movement, because I always feel like I'm failing. However, in this conversation, Dr. Shafali makes me feel seen and not like I'm failing. (laughs) She makes me feel like I just want to continue to evolve and do the best that I can which is how we want to raise our kids too, right? Um, I think you'll love it. She's been interviewed by Oprah. She's been all over the world speaking on this. And I was so grateful for her time. If you love this conversation or this podcast at all, please consider sharing it on your social media or with any of your friends who you think might find these conversations helpful. And of course, a rating and review on iTunes is always greatly, greatly appreciated. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network. You can learn about all of our shows when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. A big thank you to one of our sponsors of the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network, Lagoon Sleep. If you are looking for the best sleep of your life, you got to check out the Lagoon Pillows. You take a two-minute quiz and they set you up with a pillow that is just for you. Best pillow I've ever slept on in my 39 years of life. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay to learn more. Use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y for 15% off your order. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Dr. Shafali. All right, well, today on the podcast, we have Dr. Shafali on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Shafali. Oh, thank you for having me. Just finished the parenting map on audio. How was it? So good. And I listened to it in the car, listened to it on my runs. And I was so excited to get it done before this interview in full because I wanted to get the whole picture. Um, You are the New York Times bestselling author of three books, though. This is your most recent book. Let's just start with like, what is conscious parenting? So conscious parenting is everything traditional parenting is not. And what that means is that it's not fear-based shame-based, guilt-based, hierarchical, tyrannical. Um, And it is all about the parent understanding that they need to raise themselves and come to the parenting journey in their wholeness, in their completion, so that they don't use their children to complete them. They don't use their children to fulfill what they didn't feel they got in their childhood. Most of us come into the journey 
pretty damaged and broken. And as a result, we quote unquote use and manipulate our children to fulfill our fantasies, our unmet needs and expectations, not realizing that we do, but in the course of that, you know, burden ourselves with a lot of unnecessary um, tasks and chores and expectations and burden our children and then create dysfunction and disconnection. And I think until we have kids, a lot of us don't even realize we're carrying that from our own childhood. Yeah, we don't because it's something about having young children in our uh, care and overseeing these young children, which means we are constantly confronted with this absolute lack of control Mm. and helplessness. That actually takes us back to our own feelings of helplessness as a child. And that's why we don't recognize this till we have our own children, because otherwise we're out in the adult world thinking we're competent, thinking we're so self-sustaining, thinking we're in control. So we don't have to really go back to these primitive places within us that have been wounded and left behind. We're so busy in the achieving world and in the success-driven world that we, we are not often in touch, confronted with these painful, left, you know, uh, abandoned emotions. So when our children come, they put us in direct touch with what we had left behind and had not healed till now. So there's so many things from the book that I want to touch on, but I'm just picking out a few here that I think to me stood out as the most important. And, and I'm going to start with what I found to be the most important. And I love this quote at the end when you say learning to be in the present moment is the greatest lesson in parenthood. That is so hard to do. And I love how you talk about like how our kids just live in the present and that is their natural state of being where we're like, what have we done wrong? What do we need to get to next? And it's so hard to just be. How do we even get there? Because we are not in our present moment and because many of us are ruled by our conditioning or the past or our future-driven goals, we don't know how to be here right now. Mm. And in in parenting, we come to the parenting journey and the moment with all this past baggage or future anxiety. And children need us to be in the time zone of the present. And that's where we clash, right? We're coming with all the things we need to do for the future or all the things that, you know, we have been holding on to from the past. And as a result, we don't see our children for who it is they are in the present moment. And so children constantly are trying to answer the question, do you see me? Do you hear me? Am I valid? And we are constantly answering different questions, right? Am I good enough as a mom? Am I going to be successful as a mom? Or will my child be good enough in the future? So the present moment is missed. And there's a big gap then between who our children are and all that we are bringing to the moment from our past and the future. And we we don't connect with them right here, right now. To be right here, right now would mean that we are okay with the present moment. We are okay with ourselves. And how many of us are really ever okay with ourselves in the present moment? But what about when you do need to focus on the future? Because <laughs> we do have to plan <laughs> and the kids definitely don't. Yeah, we do need to focus on the future, but it cannot be our full focus. Yeah, It just needs to be uh, informing the present for sure. But eventually, so even when I was writing the book, the 
it's a future book. It's not in the mm-hmm. present. But when you break it back down to the present moment, it comes down to, well, okay, I want to write a book, but what do I need to do today? Mm-hmm. And sometimes what I need to do today has nothing to do with the book, as in I need to read, I need to rest, I need to meditate, I need to reflect. So at the end of the day, all future goals can be broken down to the present moment. What do I need to do about that right now? But we are always corrupting the now with the what then, right? So we're fear, fearful our child will not go to an Ivy League school. Mm-hmm. So we mess up the present moment by yelling and screaming at them because they're not doing their homework. But right now, they're not thinking about Ivy League schools or their future. They're, they're just here right now. So all we need to do is focus on the here right now. And we miss that because we're so caught up in the what if and the what then. How do we like let go of the expectation of who we think our kids should be or who we thought they would be when they're totally just their authentic selves. I mean, parents have such a view on what they think their kids are going to turn out like, and they think they have control over it based on how they raise them. And that's just not true. How do we let go of that? Well, we'll go, we're going to have no choice. Either we don't let go of it and keep ramming that expectation down our kid's throat. You know, child number one may be a pleaser and placate you and listen, but eventually that child or child number two who refuses to listen will throw it all into, you know, into smithereens. So you have no choice. At some point, you will have to face that your expectations have either already screwed up your poor, pleasing child or are not working with your rebelling child. So you will you will confront the truth of that. So you have a choice. Do I want to go down the path of ramming my expectations down my children's throats at all costs and deal with the consequences as they show up? Or do I want to calibrate, recalibrate my expectations in the present moment to attuning to who my child is versus making them attuned to who I need them to be Mm -hmm. so that I can raise the most functional, healthy child possible? I I, I can only think about the choice in these two ways. Go ahead and do it your way and pay the price for that or let go of your expectations and have a real chance at raising a healthy, secure, uh, empowered child. Which one would you rather choose? I ask parents all the time. Can you give us an example of how to encourage a kid though, who might be lacking motivation and it would be a good thing for them to study hard for an exam or practice their soccer or whatever it is, if they like that sport, like how can we motivate them in a way that doesn't feel like it's for our self-satisfaction or our goals, that it's for their goals? Well, I always talk about ego enhancing boundaries and life enhancing boundaries. And the difference is this life enhancing boundaries are things that our children need to do in this world that are the basics, Mm. like brush your teeth, go to sleep at some point, eat a little bit, and go to school, right? Now, we set up this world in such a way that they kind of have to read, write, and know some math, right? To so go to school. So those are the non-negotiables. Okay. They don't have to do well at school, but they kind of have to go to school. They don't have to get A grades, but they have to pass, right? That That's reasonable. Anything else like, you know, learn a sixth language, you know, volunteer in a third world country, 
um, learn baseball and trombone. Those are more non, you know, non life enhancing, as in they add to life, but they're not essential for life. And those are perhaps coming from ego. So with those, we can play around a little bit and be more negotiating, not so hard in stone. I call those sand boundaries versus stone boundaries. So, you know, if we wanted, everything could be a, a non-negotiable. Everything can be a stone boundary. But nobody can live like that, right? We in our own lives cannot live with 1,000 stone boundaries. Imagine if every day we had 10,000 things we had to do. Had to play the trombone, had to make a picture, had to build a sandcastle, had to go on a 10-mile run. I mean, we'd go insane. So we too prioritize, right? So in the same way we have to prioritize with our children, what are the absolute essentials without which they may really take a deep dive in this world? Or uh, what are the, and what, and then what are the ones we can kind of negotiate and let go? Do they have to all be ballerinas? No. Do they have to all play baseball? No. So we pick and choose because we don't want to burn our children out. And many of our children are getting burnt out by the time they reach college because they have overdone and overextended themselves in so many ways in areas that gave them no joy. You know, our problem is not that we're doing things we don't like. We're not doing enough of the things we do like. Mm. And life should be pivoting towards things we do enjoy. Now, it doesn't mean that it's a free ride. We never have to struggle. Of course we do. But let's not struggle where it's apparent that that's not our thing, right? Like if you, growing up, if you had told me, I have to study statistics, I have to study calculus, you know, no, that was not how my brain was wired. And I've never done it since and I don't regret it. So I'm glad my mother never pushed me to be excellent at something that didn't come naturally to me. She always encouraged me to be excellent at things that I felt like I could be or it came more naturally so that it was not a chore. It did not create anxiety. I did not have resistance. I didn't burn out. And that's really what's the most beautiful part of life is we get choices. We, we can choose to do things that come more natural to us versus things that we have to constantly rail against. And I think parents have a mistaken identity that the children need to be good at everything and they need to excel at everything. No, it's okay to, to admit that your child can be average in many ways and they're not going to fall apart. It's such a beautiful thing too when a, you see a kid find what they really love to do. I think parents get, they feel frantic sometimes because you know how you always say like, oh, if you learn to play the piano young or if you learn to do this young, you learn a language young, it comes more naturally. It's easier. So parents think, I got to pile it on all now because it's going to be more natural for them. And it's just completely overwhelming. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is um, ego a little bit more. How much of your work in this book is from your own experience with your daughter versus your childhood like is it way different than how you were brought up and and what have you learned about ego in this process well the ego is not just a vain part of ourselves the ego is the false part of ourselves so uh, it's you know i came upon this through my own meditations my own wisdom teachings uh, in the practice of eastern spirituality uh, beginning to see how much we all, including myself, live in false self. 
And we live in false self because we have been hungry for approval, validation, and praise from the outside world. And because we have been externally focused and not driven to find our own inner knowing, we have been lost. And I was raised that way to look to the outside, but everybody is. And I see it in my clients. I saw myself doing it to my child. I wanted my child to be driven to look at me as the superior authority. So as long as we keep doing this to ourselves and to each other and valuing ourselves based on these external metrics, we will be lost to ourselves. And in fact, not only just lost to our true selves, we will be lost in our false selves. And that false self is the ego. Most of us are doing things because we're deeply attached to that false self. We want praise, recognition, approval for that false self. So we become over-pleasers, over-achievers, over-doers, over-givers, or we become over-competitive, you know, and we find ways to get accolades for that false self. In truth, our true self needs no accolades from the outside. So you can see how, you know, that's a lost cause. We've, we all are so hungry for it. And now in this social media driven world, look how obsessed people are to be seen. I mean, it's fascinating how now once people could be seen, everyone wants it. Mm. Everyone wants to be seen. It does not matter who you are. You want to be seen on social media. And it's all coming from this deep thirst for significance which is a false thirst. We should never have been told that we, we needed to be finding significance because we already had significance in who we are. That's why my mantra in all my books, and especially this book, The Parenting Map, is to teach parents how to teach children to feel good enough as they are in who they are. And that takes a whole lot of teaching today because we have been so misdirected and misguided to look for things on the outside. So if you want to raise a resilient child, you need to read this book, The Parenting Map, because I will teach you how you can remind your child to stay firmly planted in who it is they are. And that is the key ingredient to a successful life. It's not the amount of trophies, not the amount of you know, gym weights you can lift on any given day. It's about how secure you feel within your own being. How well do you know yourself? How much practice do you have being yourself? That's going to be the marker for your quote unquote resilience and grit and all the things we want for our children. Yeah. I mean, as you're talking about this, like external validation, I, it's interesting because I've, I don't feel like I've been a person that like cares so much about what people think about how I look or anything like that. But man, when it comes to my parenting, I get embarrassed when my kids are misbehaving or whatever you want to call it, disrespecting when they, I feel like they're being disrespectful and I don't respond in the perfect way. And here's an example at soccer practice or at my older son's soccer game the other day, I walked up and I said something, I forgot something. And my six-year-old says, yeah, because she's dumb about me in front of all these people. And I'm sitting here like, what's the right response? What's the right response? And I, so I, I, you know, I looked at him and I said, that wasn't very nice. Please don't talk to me like that. And I, I'm like, I'm not going to scream at him. I don't like in front of all these people, not that I want to scream anyway, but like, I'm, I'm curious in, in your parenting philosophy, when a kid says something like that, that feels downright disrespectful or simply looks at you in the eye when you ask him to do something and just says, no, 
What What is the response in this conscious parenting way? Okay, so if your child says you're dumb, the first thing we need to ask ourselves is, am I dumb? <laughs> right? Am I, am, I, am I dumb? So the answer is not typically, but he may be right that you may be quote unquote, you know, what he's trying to say is you don't know this stuff, right? I made I made a decision that wasn't that didn't make sense and it was a dumb decision. So were you actually saying it was a dumb decision? You were owning up to it, and then she, he just got to the chase and said, "You're so dumb." I, I I mean I guess so. I forget what I said. I think I like forgot a lawn chair or something like that, and he was like, "Yeah, because she's dumb." <laughs> right. So the first thing is the place within you where that lands, right? Yeah. It, it did it did it hurt you? It only hurt me because I felt embarrassed that my kids said that in front of all those people because it made me feel like they thought I like was raising a disrespectful kid or like I let him talk right. to me in these ways and I'm a pushover or whatever. And then also the fear that like, what if their kids, they don't want their kids to hang out with him because they're afraid he's going to oh, be a bad influence. Goodness. You know what I mean? All these things. Right. right. You went down a path, right? <laughs> But if you didn't go down the path and you stayed in the present moment and you didn't, you know, you you don't mind being dumb sometimes. It's okay. You know, <laughs> quote unquote dumb. You know what I mean? Yes. You know what he was trying to say, that you're so silly, right? Yes. So, mm. and if you were okay with your IQ on the whole and you know that you're secure there, I would have said something like this in my on a good day, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so on a, on a good day, I would have said, so dumb. Mom is so dumb, so silly. Uh, right. And then just laughed it over and everybody would have laughed. And and then you could have just looked at the other people and gone, geez, thank you. Thank you, son. You know, but laughed about it because every parent is you. you we have been all ridiculed and been embarrassed by our children. Right. I always tell my daughter, don't come around my my people because you're not good for the brand because <laughs> she's always saying how unconscious I am. Right. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Because they just have a way of just cutting through the the junk, right? And just getting just straight to the to the jugular. And for us, it's mortifying because it's all about our image. Mm. But with children, you just have to get used to it and not be so protective. Because if you're trying to get validated by your child, forget it, right? That is not the place to get validation. And you want all the other parents to think you're amazing and your child reveres you. And so respectful. Mm -hmm. Listen, give it up. All those parents have the same problems as you. Trust me. Everyone's trying to cover it up. We are absolutely horror stricken by how our children talk to us. All of us. And we all wish it to be different. And then later on another day, you can talk about that. Right. You can do a little role play with your child and mm -hmm. go, you know, how do you feel when people call you dumb? Mm -hmm. Like, I personally think it's kind of rude. What about you? And then he'll be like, yeah, or he may say, oh, it's not a big deal, mom. So then you'll realize that, oh, he didn't mean it, right? Mm. But in that moment, correcting him in that moment is going to be just futile because you are just reacting. Now, if he hurt you or hit you, now that's more objective. Which so has happened. Right. But then also we can take him aside and go, that's not okay. And that's, that's, that's. You know, I that kind of hurt. You know, can we talk about it? Like, why Why do you want to hurt mommy? Something's going on. What's going on inside you? What did mommy say that upset you? Right? We get to teach him to uncover what's underneath the hitting. The hitting is not the problem. There's something underneath that he's not telling you. 
All right, friends, I got to take a quick break here and tell you about this lash therapy that I've been using. It has been a game changer for my eyelashes. I basically like had hardly any eyelashes at all before I started using lash therapy by Hello Skincare. I did not have high hopes that this would work very well. And my goodness, it has totally changed how my eyelashes look. I'm not a huge makeup person either, but having more thick, full eyelashes has made me feel a lot better. Um, you can step up your game in just 60 days. It does not take 60 days. I, I feel like I noticed a difference within two weeks. You'll have longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes using Lash Therapy by Hello Skincare. Uh, you can save too, 15% when you go to helloskincare.com. When you check out, use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-H-2-0. They also have a C serum that I use in the morning and a night serum that I use every night. You can buy the package of three. But if you're only going to buy one product from them and you're going to start somewhere, start with that lash therapy. And let me know what you think. I'm serious. These results are crazy. HelloSkincare.com. Use the code LindsayH20 for 15% off your first order. All right, friends, back to the show. One of the things I loved that I read in the book that I used the other day, this is my six-year-old again. <laughs> this is one of my rambunctious ones. I have four boys. Um, he was, I don't even remember what he was freaking out about. There's too, there's too many of them to remember exact circumstances all the time. But I did get down on his level and look him in the eye. And I said, I did that. I see you. I feel you. And it, it calmed him immediately. Because whatever he was doing was making me very frustrated. I think we were trying to get out the door for school. But when I just looked him in the eye and said, I see you, I see that you're frustrated. It like changed the whole game. And I know that won't always happen, but I'm so thankful it happened in that moment because we were able to move on to the next thing. And not that he forgot about what was going on, but he was able to shift and it was so, so helpful. Yes, yes. Joining is always better than attacking. Mm. Even if it feels counterintuitive yeah. in the moment to say, yeah, mommy's so dumb, right? Aren't we all dumb, right? And make a joke out of it, then blow it up is always the better way to go. Trust me. And when you blow up and you react and you resist, you're actually perpetuating the problem. So find a way to join your child in whatever they're experiencing. I love that. Okay, one of the things I really want to try to understand is if their behavior feels very disrespectful, and I don't even know that you like that word, and you tell me, but we feel like we have to teach them that these things aren't okay because they, we want them to grow up to be humans that respect other humans that they work with, that they do sports with, whatever it is. Um, how do we handle behavior that feels, and maybe you have a better word for it, but disrespectful? Yeah. So, you know, we have to be careful with that word mm -hmm. because parents sometimes use it with liberty and anything can be disrespectful, right? If the child says, I don't want to eat your, you know, green bean casserole, we are like, oh, you're so disrespectful. I spent hours so making that. You were? No, I like when you said that, it made me think parent says, oh, yeah, I spent hours making that. It's so disrespectful that you wouldn't eat it. I feel like that's right, like, right. yeah, 
but they don't feel like eating it, you know. And and so we can take anything as disrespect. So we have to be careful, especially if we are very damaged and we have a big quote unquote pain body. Anything can hurt us. Okay, you know, super fragile people. Anything can hurt them. So many parents are like that, you know. The the child cannot be in a bad mood. For example, the child is in a bad mood. Oh, you're so disrespectful. The child doesn't want to come with the with the family for a movie. Oh, you're so disrespectful. So first, just chill on your judgment of being disrespectful, right? Really check it. And then, what is really disrespect in the end of at the end of the day? Was your child being disrespectful when they were they were calling you dumb? He's just a child. He's silly. He just said it because somebody said it to him. He thinks it's cool. So what is really disrespect? A seventeen-year-old who's having a hard time at school and with their hormones and with their boyfriend, and they slam the door and say, "I hate you." Is it disrespect? Or if you understood the context, you would understand it's not disrespect, right? So I like to just stay away from that word because I don't want to look at my child that way. Because then I will feel like a victim. Then I will feel attacked. Then I will feel resentful. Then I will get into my own, you know, spiral of emotions. What I rather do is, whoa. The disrespect is a sign of something inside gone wrong. I call it S-I-G-N, something inside gone negative. And I just take all negative behavior on the outside as a sign. And that gives me compassion. I, I take it in a detached, depersonalized way. I don't make it all about me. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. So when my, you know, if my daughter is saying, I hate you and slamming the door and saying, you're the worst mom, right? All these things that we hate as parents. I just now take it as, wow, she's really unhappy. Man, she's having a hard day. Because I'm coming from wholeness. I know I'm a great mom now, mm. right? By the time my daughter was 17, I figured <laughs> it out. I know I'm not hateful. I know I'm not hated. I'm loved. I can love myself. So if she doesn't like me, it's something going on inside her because I'm amazing. So once I come from this wholeness, I don't feel the need to react. Now, when she was younger and said it, and I was not yet healed, boy, I was like, what did you say? Come mm-hmm. back right now. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about this right now because I was in so much lack and I wanted my daughter to love me. Now I don't need her to love me. I really do not. I would like it. <laughs> I would absolutely love it. But I really, in my adult self, don't need her and pretty much don't need anybody to love me anymore um, because I've, I see through the illusion of that, right? I don't need people to love me. I need to love myself. And uh, they they can only love me based on their level of healing. You know, people who don't love you don't not love you because you're hateful. They don't not love you because of their level of healing. So when my daughter or your child or they are being quote unquote disrespectful, just look at it as, wow, they're really hurting inside. And that's a game changer because then you don't take it personally. Now you have compassion. Now you can connect. And now you can truly help them in the way they need to be helped versus it just coming up from you and all about you. Yeah. I love that so much. You said that so well. Um, the issue I think a lot of parents struggle with is they love these concepts. They want to live in this because it feels so fluid and so much happier than constantly nagging and yelling. I think when I, where I struggle the most, and I think a lot of parents probably as well, is when you like you feel like you've done it. Like You're like, I'm doing the conscious thing. I'm, I'm practicing all these things and then you just snap because <laughs> you just, it, it, they keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And one of the things I love that you talk about is that not living in guilt 
you know? So if you do stat, snap, you repair and you, you move on and you get back to the present. Um, but it's really hard to not snap sometimes, not sometimes, a oh, lot of times. It's so lot. hard. It's, right. And you had four children. So you have, you have quadrupled your potential for snapping yeah. compared to me. <laughs> I only, I only have one kid and I was snapping all the time. So I can imagine having four children. So you asked for it on some level, <laughs> uh, but on, on another level, it's not about not snapping. It's about just evolving, right? Mm. The, 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 illusion that you will not snap is is an unconscious illusion Mm. it just shows that you're unconscious you know whenever parents come to me and say whenever they say to me oh I'm so conscious I say to them that is the most unconscious thing you could say (laughs) to me right so similarly the converse of you know oh I I shouldn't snap now that's a pretty dumb thing to say right so we we don't talk like that we do not talk like that in this house (laughs) we are allowed to snap it's human to snap, but we evolve from the snapping. We go deeper. We understand we're not perfect. We're grossly limited. We were fools to have children in the first place. And now that we do, we have to, <laughs> we have to, we have to grow up. And it's all about growing up. So we can't just be born grown up and we can't be grown up with the first kid. We have to grow up over time. It takes 10, 15 years by the time we've already made a mess. So this is just the cycle of life. I know we don't have time to get into it fully, but can you touch on a little bit the different types of kids and the different types of parents that we all are? I mean, you list and people go read the book because, I mean, there's when you listed the different types of parents, each category, I was like, oh, that's a little bit me. That's a little bit me. That's a little bit me. And there were some that I resonated with more. But why is that so important Important to understand as we raise our kids? Yeah, I gave easy categories for parents to identify themselves and their children, not because I wanted to box us in, but because it's, it's really fun and it's also a um, non-threatening way to become aware. It's hard to just go there and start observing yourself. It's easy if somebody asks you, you know, are you a fighter? Are you a fixer? Are you a freezer? Are you a fleer? It's so much easier. You're like, yeah, 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 and yeah. So I talk about the different ego patterns we have as parents, but I also talk about the different types of children you could have in broad strokes. You can have an anxious exploder. You could have a hyperactive explorer. You could have a dreamer recluse. You can have an uh, easy breezy child. You could have a rebel nonconformist. Or you could have an overdoer, overgiver, super martyr kid. So, you know, I give these different essences, I call them, of children so that you can begin to see your child in those essences. But also I teach you how to recognize the superpower within each of them. Mm, And that's the powerful thing. We don't want to change our children. We want to honor, celebrate and recognize their superpowers. I love that so much because without even realizing it, we find all those faults in whatever type that we see our kids falling into. And I love the idea of like picking reasons why and highlighting reasons why those will be really good things about them throughout their life. 100%. Like the kid who called you dumb. Yeah. That is not nice for your ears to hear, but he's pretty on point. He's just going to call it like it is, say it like it is. And that's a great skill. So if you took out your personal Mm. discomfort with it, he just said what he thought. And yeah, he didn't hurt anybody physically. 
And yeah, we can teach him to be kinder, but how great that he was brave enough to say what he thought, right? There's always a superpower that we can focus on. Okay, so I always wrap up with these few questions on the podcast and I highly encourage everybody to go get the book. I listen to it on audio. Dr. Shafali reads reads it herself. Um, and do you have anything else to say about the book that you want to share? Nothing, just that it's called The Parenting Map. It's the how to become a conscious parent. My other books were more the why we should become a conscious parent but this is the how yeah and you know parents have always been asking me how to do it how to do it so this is the 20 steps i broke it down i made it really easy really simple language for every parent to become a better parent i mean i think it's a must read book frankly <laughs> I, yeah i've gone backwards because i've started i've started with that one but maybe that was more helpful for me because i got the steps right from the start yes 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 well what's you've done a lot You've been interviewed by Oprah. You're a New York Times bestselling author. What's something professionally or personally you'd like to do, though, that you haven't done yet? Um, not much more. Just the same. Travel the world. Uh, I teach around the world. I love it. I think I've pretty much checked off most of my boxes. How does that sit with you? Like, how does that feel? It feels great. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing it. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I, it makes me feel like I'm on the right path. and life can only get better. And I'm here to enjoy it as well. I've, I've finished my phase of needing to prove. Mm -hmm. I, I feel I've proven what I needed to prove to myself. So that's over. That's the best part of growing older, where now I just want to enjoy my life and do things only that feel very much in flow. Do you have advice to someone who feels like they haven't hit that though? Because we, and yeah, we I feel an overwhelm. Yeah, I was there for 20 years. Yeah, I wasn't there for 20 years. And all I can say is work hard. You know, if you have a fire in you, you have to put in the hours. But one day you will come out on the other side and feel really good about everything you've done. But also I will say to the younger people who may fe be feeling a fire that also don't be so restless to miss the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I was lucky I did not miss the moment. I remember every day of my child's life being present. I put that on myself, that nothing matters as much as being present. So I never traded my ambitions for presence. That's so good. Um, best, most recent book you've read? Oh, my goodness. I have not read. Let me see. Oh, my goodness. I, I read a piece or two of uh, Dr. Gabor Mate's The Myth of Normal. I am really wretched at reading because I've just been writing. Yeah. You know, I've, I've come out with two books in the last three and a half years. So wow. I've just been creating content and writing. And, uh, but I do meditate and that's my quote unquote mm -hmm. reading. That's my soul food. So I, I exercise. I'm in nature. I'm quiet. I'm alone. I, I get fed like that, mm -hmm. you know, but I will go back to reading now that I've finished these last two books. We're recommending the parenting map for sure. Is there another parenting book that has like guided you? Well, I just think, you know, I think, you know, I, I turn to big wisdom teachers like Pema Chodron, Eckhart Tolle, Alan Watts, the Buddha. That's really what my parenting is, is based on. It's not based so much on Western psychology as it is on Eastern wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so those are my inspirations. Okay, here's our last question. What's the last message you want to leave with our audience today? is that there's always a better way to live your life. You just need to evolve and be inspired. And all my books are about 
living a better, more authentic life. So I hope someone will grab them and start their journey. It's never too late to start. And the present moment is always right here, right now. Dr. Shafali, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. All right, friends, thanks for being here today. To learn more about Dr. Shafali, go to drshafali.com. Her book, The Parenting Map, I highly recommend. I listened to it on Audible. You can follow me. I'm lindsayhine626 on Instagram. I'd love to connect with you there. At lindsayhine on Twitter. And of course, you can find us on Facebook. Why is everyone yelling? Learn more about this show and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. You can also sign up for our newsletter there so you can be emailed directly the show notes from everything we talked about from books to sponsors of the show. And if there was even like a certain part of the episode that you wanted to go back to, we do timestamps as well, which is super, super helpful. Um, All right, friends, thanks for being here. And we'll see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?